church. I'm going to have our preacher come and preach to us again today. All right. Great to see all these young people here today. Thank the Lord for their lives. If they want to stay and listen to me, it's okay. <laughs> Always bothers me when kids run out, you know. But, okay. Thank you for staying. Let's take our Bibles and go to John chapter 10, if you will, the Gospel of John and chapter number 10. It's great to see each of you in God's house today. Thank the Lord for you. John chapter 10. We'll start to read with verse 22. Read down to verse 31. John chapter 10. The Bible says in verse 22, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The relationship between a shepherd and his sheep is a beautiful picture of the relationship that we have as God's children with our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some years ago, my family and I were invited to preach revival in a little town called Ontario, Wisconsin, a town of 300 people. The pastor's name is Mike Jeffley. Mike was raised in that town. His dad was a farmer. They were sort of religious but didn't go to church a lot. Mike uh, doesn't recall much about attending church other than maybe Christmas or Easter. But as Mike was going through high school, he was a, a good wrestler and decided to go to a wrestling camp during one of the summers. And it was there that uh, he heard the gospel and was wonderfully saved. He came back home after that camp and wondered if there was a church anywhere that preached these things. And he found a church about 30 miles from the farm where he was growing up and decided to drive to that church every weekend and got involved in the youth group. And upon graduating from high school, decided that God wanted him to go to a Christian college and learn more about God's word. He got to that college and wasn't long until God began to stir his heart about becoming a preacher, and, and uh, Mike was called to preach. He finished uh, the college there, and when he did, he decided that it was God's will for him to go back to Ontario, Wisconsin, this little town, and plant a church. His goal was to see his family come to know Christ. His mom, his dad, his siblings, all of his relatives lived in that area, but none of them knew the Lord, and he had a burden to reach his family for the Lord. 
It wasn't long after he got there that he called me and he had heard me preach a time or two before and he said, would you come and, and hold a week of revival like we're doing here this week? We came, I was traveling with my wife and two children at that time. I think my son John was maybe eight and Melinda was five and our other two boys were not yet born and we were traveling in a trailer and we pulled into this church. Now, it was a three-story house on the edge of town and they had taken the bottom floor and made it into an auditorium and, and the upstairs rooms were made into classrooms and nursery. And we sat down and talked about the week a little bit and and Mike said, now, Brother Gatch, we're just a little congregation. We have about 20 people. And he said, they can't pay me anything yet. Uh, we're still kind of a mission work. And so he said, my dad, uh, who still was not a Christian, he said, my dad uh, has, a, has a farm, as you know. And he said, he gave me a piece of land. And there's a, there's a little house on it. And he said, that's where we're living. And I'm raising sheep. And I uh, said, that's how I'm making my living. And he said, I'd really like you to come and see my sheep. Well, I was raised on a farm. And uh, my dad always kept a few sheep. And they're about the dumbest animal in the world. And, and uh, I had seen sheep before. And I, I said, oh, well, okay, maybe. And uh, didn't really make a commitment. <laughs> well, the next day we had the first service and, and then the second. And we had a lunch on the grounds. And after we finished eating, uh, the pastor came over to the table where we were seated. Most of the people had gone their way, and he said, uh, you're coming over, right? I said, uh, coming over? He said, yeah, to see the sheep. I said, Pastor, it's Sunday. I mean, Sunday afternoon's good for one thing, taking a nap. Uh, he said, no, no. He said, you, you got to come today. I said, well, I don't know if we can come today. He said, you got to come today. It's a beautiful day, and, and, and you got to see my sheep. And he looked at my kids. He said, now, you want to see them, don't you? And they said, yeah. I said, well, Pastor, we, we probably better change clothes first. I mean, I was raised on a farm. I know what's going on. And I said, we better get out of these clothes and get into something else. And, and he said, okay, you go change clothes. I'll run my family home. I'll be back to get you in 10 minutes. So we went out and changed the tire. And sure enough, 10 minutes later, he came into that parking lot in his uh, old rusted out pickup truck. We're talking about a one-seat truck, rusted out. We piled in the front seat of that truck, my wife, I, he, my two kids, and we started out that parking lot down a, a dirt road that had potholes the size of Custer. I mean, we were bouncing everywhere as we're going down this dirt road. Now, I'm in a bad mood. I'm missing my nap. I'm going to see sheep, and I'm bouncing around in the front of this truck, hitting my head on the ceiling with every bump. But when we turned into the driveway of his place, my attitude changed just like that. To the left of the driveway, there was a house. At least that's what they called it. It was kind of run down on the outside, but inside they'd fixed it up and were living inside. But to the right of that driveway was a pasture. And this pasture was probably about 50 acres. It went up about 500 feet to a tree line at the top. Beautiful, lush green grass and dotted all over this beautiful pasture were these 100 sheep just peacefully grazing. It was very serene, very peaceful. And uh, we got out of that truck and we walked up to the fence line. The pastor began to talk about raising these sheep and what a joy it was and how it was like pastoring a church and all these different things. And as he's talking, he, he looked at us and he said, would you like to see the sheep up close? All right, okay. So he cupped his hands like this and he yelled up that hillside, come sheep, 
I thought, well, that's original. I mean, <laughs> most people can whistle or something, you know. But as soon as he said those two words, every one of those sheep lifted their head, they looked at the pasture, and they began to run to where we were standing. As they were milling around there, the pasture refreshed their water troughs and put some feed in their boxes, and they began to eat, and the pasture began to tell us more about these sheep. Well, after a while, they drifted back up onto the hillside, and we went in the house and enjoyed a little fellowship with the pastor. About 4 o'clock, we came back out to get back to the church, get ready for the evening service, and we walked out on that porch, and now these sheep were all over that hillside once again grazing. And we were saying our goodbyes, and my daughter, Melinda, five years old, she looked up at me and she said, Dad, do you think I could call the sheep? I said, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the pastor wants them to come running back down here again. Well, she looked at the pastor with her big brown eyes, and he said, sure, call him. So she looked at me, I nodded, and she stepped forward on that porch. And she cupped her tiny little five-year-old hands around her little mouth. And she yelled up that hillside with her squeaky voice, Come, sheep! And nothing happened. And she was so disappointed. And she looked at her big brother, John. He was eight. She said, John, you call him. John looked at the pasture, looked at me. We nodded. He stepped forward. He cupped his hands around his mouth. With his much stronger voice, he called up that hillside, Come, sheep. Nothing happened. Well, now they were both disappointed. They looked at me and they said, Dad, you call him. You were raised on a farm. You know how to do it. I said, okay. I stepped forward. I memorized the line. (laughs) I cut my hands just like the pastor, and with my best imitation of his voice, I yelled, come, sheep. One old ram lifted his head, kind of looked at me, and you could almost read his mind. Stupid tourists. (laughs) The pastor's laughing pretty hard by this time, and we finally coaxed him to call the sheep, and as soon as he lifted his voice, all of those sheep came running. Now why? Because my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you recognize the shepherd's voice this morning? Are you in tune with his voice? There are a lot of voices calling to us in this world. There are a lot of things that try to get our attention. But I want you to think with me this morning about three very unique aspects in this picture between the shepherd and the sheep. We see first a recognition. In verse number 27, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice. Now, this is a distinct voice. As I said, there are lots of voices in this world, and some of them are are very persuasive, and some are very charming, and some are, are very promising. But this voice is a distinct voice. It is the voice of God himself. When Jesus preached, they said, no man spake like this man. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount that we looked at briefly in Sunday school this morning, the, the, the people who heard it, uh, they, they said, uh, 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 no man ever spake after this fashion. Uh, he's not speaking like the Pharisees or the scribes. This man speaks with authority. This was a distinct voice, but this was also a devoted voice. 
In verse number 25, the Bible says here in chapter 10, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth to do the will of his Father, and everything he did was in perfect coordination with the Father's will. And so he said, I've told you who I am, and the works that I do, they bear witness of who I am. Jesus didn't come to build an empire. Jesus didn't come to build a name. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came as a shepherd. He came to, to save the sheep. And, and, and so it was a devoted voice. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. But did you notice also this is a divine voice? In verse number uh, uh, 30, the Bible says that he said, I and my father are one. This is the voice of God. This is no human shepherd whose resources at some point will run out. This is no human shepherd whose power proves to be incapable at certain obstacles. This is no human shepherd who rises and then falls with all other human authorities we are familiar with. No, this is the one who declared, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, which was, and which is to come. This is the voice of God. It was a distinct voice. It was a devoted voice. It was a divine voice. Do you recognize that voice? But notice not just a recognition, but notice secondly this morning a relationship. In verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. It was interesting when those 100 sheep were milling around down there at that at those feeding troughs and, and drinking troughs, Pastor Jeffley began to tell us the story about every one of those sheep. Now, sheep all kind of look alike to me. I mean, they're not really distinctive in their looks. Uh, they're, they're very common. I mean, they're all the same color, unless you have a black sheep. <laughs> Uh, they, they, they all kind of look the same. They're shaped the same. They all have wool. They, they all have faces. They all have uh, four legs. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty common animals. There's not a lot of distinctiveness between each one. And yet, Brother Jeff Lee would look at one and say, oh, see that one? That, that one had twins this spring, and one of them almost died. I had to bring it in the house to nourish it back. Oh, there she is now. There's the one that almost died. Then he would look, and that one was a stray. That one just walked on my property one day, and I called all the neighbors. I put bulletins on the, on the post office board, and I tried to figure out who she was, and nobody claimed her, so we took her in. And He went around all those sheep and told me a story about each and every one. You see, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. We might say this morning, well, I'm a Christian. Does the shepherd know you? Every relationship requires two people. I could say, boy, it's great to have my wife with me this week. I'm glad she got to come with me. And I could convince maybe some of you that my wife's in this room. But there's not a woman in here that would claim me as her husband. <laughs> I could point to somebody and say, there's my wife. You ask that woman, she says, oh, I don't know that guy. See, a relationship requires two, doesn't it? And a lot of people say, well, I'm a Christian. What does God call you? And many shall come unto me that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works? Then shall he say to them, I never knew you. 
Does he know you? This is a singular relationship. My sheep hear my voice. It is a personal relationship, not a relationship with a church, not a relationship with a a religion. This is a relationship with the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus Christ is not a last resort. He's not a first resort. He's your only resort. He's the only Savior. He's the only one who can forgive us of sin. He's the only one that can provide heaven for us. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. We are complete in him. He is our all and in all. This is a singular relationship, but it is also a sacrificial relationship. Go back to verse number 11 in this chapter, if you will, and look at these words in chapter 10 and verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And am known of mine, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. He laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ died for us. He provides that eternal life through his own sacrifice of himself on the cross. Romans 5 and verse 8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, as is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. Uh, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, he's the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gave his life for us. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. This is a singular relationship. It is a sacrificial relationship, and it is a secure relationship. Look at verse 28 of this chapter. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Our relationships humanly are fickle, they're fragile, they're sometimes, uh, they fall apart at the, at the least of things, and yet our relationship with Jesus Christ is secure. This relationship is eternal. Jesus said in John 6 and verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And Paul said, who can separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, trials, can all these things, can they separate us? No. 
uh, neither height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we see a recognition. We see a relationship. But then I want you to see a responsibility. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. A recognition. And I know them. A relationship. And they follow me. A responsibility. You see, this kind of commitment on the part of a shepherd who would die for the sheep begs some responsibility in return from the sheep. And we see a keen awareness here. If you go back up in chapter 10 and look at verse 4, the Bible says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Whose voice are we following? The Bible says the sheep follow the voice of the shepherd. A strange voice they'll not follow. Why did those sheep there on Brother Jeffley's farm, why, why didn't they respond to my daughter's voice or my son's voice or my voice? We weren't the shepherd. You see, the sheep only respond to one voice. Whose voice are you responding to? Boy, we're, we're quick to get on social media and see what this one's doing. And, oh, I'm going to follow that. And, and, and we read some blog and, oh, that sounds good. I'll follow that. And we go to this church and that church and we hear this teaching and this preaching. And, and, and we get all confused. Whose voice are we listening to? Sometimes we, we try to listen to our own inner voices, right? So I think I know what's best and I think I know what's right. And I think I'll just stay with that. But do you have an awareness of his voice? My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. This is a keen awareness of God's work in our life as the shepherd. And notice then a key authenticity in verse 27. He says, my sheep are my voice. I know them and they follow me. In other words, if we're not following, we're not a sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and I wish they'd follow me. He doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they should follow me. No, he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. In other words, if you're not following, then you're not sheep. He said, brother, gosh, that's, that's, that's a little harsh. I'm kind of offended at that. Well... How about 1 John chapter 2, verse 3? Hereby we do know that we know him. Don't you want to know you're saved? Don't you want to know you're a Christian? I do. I want to know that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to know that I belong to the shepherd. I want to know that I'm saved. Well, God says here's how we can know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him. And keeping not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now you thought my statement was blunt. That's kind of blunt. God says if we know him, he knows us and we will follow him. Just as Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, a key authenticity 
I was preaching in a western suburb of Chicago, a city called Plainfield. And the church building was, a, was an old building. It was over 125 years old, which made it a historical monument there in that city. There was nothing they could do in that building without getting permission from the historical society to be able to do it. They couldn't change the color or anything like that. And it was a beautiful church. The church had done a fantastic job of preserving this high, steepled, white clapboard building right there in the middle of Chicago. And, and uh, it was a beautiful building. Well, the inside, when you walked in, it was old and a lot of wood and, and very well kept. It had a balcony in the back, and, and, uh, but the stairs up to the balcony were closed. There was no one allowed to go up there. And when you stood on the platform and looked up there, there were no chairs. There was nothing up there. Maybe they deemed it unsafe. I'm not sure. They didn't need it for seating. And so it was, it was uh, roped off, as, as you say. Underneath the balcony in the auditorium, it was likewise roped off. There were some chairs, some tables, some bookcases with books. It looked like maybe it had been a library area or maybe a classroom of some kind at one time, but it, it was roped off. Again, there was no, uh, no one was allowed back there for whatever reason. Well, there was a man in the church. He was 91 years old. And uh, he, was a, he was a wonderful man. He would walk to church every night, two blocks. People would offer to pick him up. No, I, I, I'm going to church. Serve the Lord. I want to walk to church. I'll do it. I'm all. And uh, he was 91. And, and he had two canes. And he walked with these two canes because he had terrible arthritis. I mean, the, it was painful to watch him walk. And this is why everybody tried to assist him. But no, I'm going to walk, you know. And, and he would walk in that building. And the first thing he would do when he got in that building is he'd walk over to those ropes that were roping off that back area and he'd undo the rope and he'd go back in there where you weren't supposed to sit and sit down. Now, if you put ropes up in a church, people will move the ropes. Sometimes you rope off the back, pew, back pews, you know, so people sit more close to the front. I've told ushers, why don't you rope off the front two pews? I think people go sit in there if you roped them off, you know. But he would go back there, and, and I chuckled at it. I thought, that old guy, he doesn't care what anybody says. He's going to sit wherever he pleases, right? But I soon learned he wasn't rebellious. His arthritis was so bad that if he didn't stand up and move about every seven minutes, he wasn't going to get up. And so every seven minutes, he would stand up, and he'd kind of he'd stretch. He'd kind of put his arms up, and he'd kind of shake his legs out, and then he'd sit back down. Every seven minutes, almost right on the dot. I, I really enjoyed it. I knew exactly how long I was preaching by how many times he stood up. <laughs> well, one night I was preaching on this text. I was preaching out of John chapter 10, and I got toward the end of the message, and I said, are you a sheep tonight? Are you a sheep? Because if you're a sheep, you're following the Lord, and if you're not following the Lord, you, then you're not a sheep. And I said, are you a sheep this evening? And I pause. If you ask a question, you should pause, give people a chance to respond in their mind. Well, when I paused, he started getting out of his chair. Now that, wait a minute, it hasn't been seven minutes. You were just up about 30 seconds ago. He's getting out of his chair. And he got out of that chair, and he took one of those canes, and he put it up over his head like this, and he lifted one foot off the ground, and he said, or are you a goat? <laughs> and he sat back down. And it, people kind of chuckled, and I started laughing, and I said, sir, I'm glad you said that, not me. I think we got some goats here. I say, Brother Gash, you shouldn't say things like that. Well, friend, one day, 
It's going to be very important whether you're a sheep or a goat. Because in Matthew 25, Jesus is going to gather before him all the nations. And he's going to separate them. The one from the other is a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he'll set his sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then he will say to them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. These shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. One day it will matter whether you're on the right hand or on the left, whether you're a sheep or whether you're a goat. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for this picture you've given us in your word of the relationship that exists between Christ and his people in this visual of the shepherd and his sheep. And Lord, we're so grateful that you came to this earth to die, to be buried, to rise again the third day so that we could enter into this wonderful and beautiful relationship that we call Christianity, a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior. Lord, I would pray today if there's anyone listening to my voice that is not sure that they have that relationship with Christ, that Lord, today would be the wonderful day of their salvation, that beginning of a relationship with Christ. And Lord, for those of us that know you as Savior this morning, thank you that we can call you our shepherd. Lord, help us to follow you. Lord, our old nature wants to go astray. It wants to wander. It wants to get off the path that you're leading us in. Lord, would you draw us back today to following your voice, your truth, your way. So speak to our hearts this morning. As heads are just bowed for a moment and eyes are closed, perhaps today God is speaking to your heart. Perhaps as a Christian, you've gone astray. Oh, you know the Lord. You still hear his voice. He speaks to you. But you're listening to some other voices, maybe your own voice. You're thinking, "Uh, I've got a better way. I don't need the Lord. My friend, come back to him today. Come back to that relationship with the Lord. He loves you. He leads beside the green pastures. He takes you to the still waters. He supplies every need we have. Your cup will run over, as the psalmist said when you're in that sweet relationship with the shepherd. Don't neglect that relationship today. Follow him, obey him, love him, serve him. And then if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, or if there's an uncertainty about whether he knows you, you might hope you're a Christian and, and, and think that you are, but unless you know that, the Bible says these things are written that we might know that we have eternal life. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. You can know that you're going to spend eternity with God. And if you're not absolutely 
perfectly uh, sure of that today. Let's make sure of it. It's not a hard thing to do. But to trust Christ as Savior is the beginning of a relationship that is eternal. Not in